two, three. Welcome back, holy, holy messes. Welcome back, holy messes, to a holy mess podcast with his holy mess, Father Paul. Welcome to episode ocho. Uh, I think that's eight in in some some languages. Uh, welcome to episode eight. How are you? How's everything going? This is going to be a, a messy uh, beginning, but all right. So we have a couple things to talk about. One, I hope, come Holy Spirit. I hope that you had an amazing time listening to the interviews with Christopher West. Uh, Very excited about them. Go back, listen to them. I hope that you enjoyed them. Let me know what you think. Questions, comments, concerns. Uh, This past Sunday was the very first week of Advent. I am a little bit of a moron. Some would say a lot, but I would say a little. Uh, I thought that Advent was going to be the first weekend of December, uh, and it was not. It was not. And I kept saying, hey, I'm going to have Chris Stefanik on right after Christopher West. I'm going to have Chris Stefanik on for the first Sunday of Advent. And that's just not the case. No, Advent is... um, already started. So, uh, and my interview with Chris Stefanik doesn't even take place until tomorrow. So it will be released next Thursday on December 8th, which is the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, the Immaculate Conception. Holy Day of Obligation, you must go to church or you might burn. I'm just kidding. But seriously, go to church uh, or confess it. So check it out. what am I talking about now? Okay, so Advent, uh, oh yeah. Okay, so what is happening? This Saturday, uh, in two days from now, on December 1st, I am going to be giving an Advent, no, uh, Saturday, December 3rd, I'm going to be giving an Advent morning of reflection at St. Valentine's Parish in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Uh, Advent morning of reflection. I believe it's going to go from like 8 to noon. So check that out. Look it out in the show notes. Uh, thank. I'm looking forward to that. Also, this Sunday, I'm going to be receiving a Youth Recognition Award, uh, a Youth Recognition Award from the Archdiocese of Newark, my very own Archdiocese, the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry, uh, is giving me an award for, uh, I really don't know why, I think they're crazy. No, but no, the, I, I was shocked, utterly shocked. I mean, I work at a cemetery and I'm getting an award for working with youth. No, um, you know, in all seriousness, I am really excited and I'm beyond honored. Uh, I worked a lot with youth, especially in the Archdiocese of uh, Newark, even before I was in the seminary when I worked with uh, Justin Vatica at Paramus Catholic High School and Hard as Nails Ministry, also at Our Lady of Good Counsel in Washington Township. Shout out to them. And then uh, my entire priesthood, really, I've had a special devotion uh, to the youth in the many different parishes. So I want to thank Rich Donovan and um, Tom uh, Conroy, uh, Conboy, for uh, awarding me this uh, prestigious award. No. Uh, And also, I'm going to be able to get the award with my boss. he doesn't like being called a boss, even though he is the boss. He always says Jesus is the boss. Andy Schaefer, he's the executive director for Catholic Cemeteries. And he is getting a St. Joseph Award uh, for all the work that he has done with Catholic Cemeteries. He extends it to the entire Catholic Cemetery staff. So he says we are all getting the award, not just him. Uh, and he does mean that, but I am very happy that he and I will receive an award at the same um 
at the same exact uh, ceremony, something just popped up on my computer here. I'm not going back and editing anything. I'm just telling you that right now. So this is a holy mess. So you're just going to hear what it is. Yesterday, by the way, I went to the gym and I wore two different types of shoes because one shoe I couldn't find and the other one was soaked. In what? I don't know, but it was soaking wet. (laughs) Hope that made you laugh. Uh, what else? Uh, then we're going to have, for those of you that don't know, I am a full-time chaplain at a Catholic cemetery. And this is my first year working there. And we are having a an appointment recognition dinner uh, next Tuesday. I'm very excited. Uh, it's going to be um, the first time that I'm a part of that. And not only am I doing the closing prayer, but I'm going to do a little stand-up comedy. Yes, I'm going to be doing a little bit of stand-up. Speaking of stand-up, I actually got booked to go to Arizona. Scott, this is my first like real booking. I was, well, I don't want want to say the word hired, but I was asked if I would go to a Catholic comedy festival in Scottsdale, Arizona in March to perform stand-up comedy. That's like something I've been wanting. Not only am I going to be able to perform stand-up comedy, but also there's going to be the opportunity to celebrate mass for them, uh, to preach, to possibly hear confessions. Uh, There's a guy on Twitter called Catholic Comedy. I don't even really know his real name. Catholic Comedy, his wife goes by Mrs. Catholic Comedy. I'm going to have them on the show sometime. Um, And anyway, yeah, he's flying me out there to perform for this Catholic Comedy Festival. I'm really excited. If you want me to perform stand-up comedy for your Catholic church or your Catholic event or Christian or clean comedy show, let me know. Hit me up. Holler at me at hisholymesspodcast at gmail.com. That's hisholymesspodcast, H-O-L-I-M-E-S-S podcast at gmail.com. All right. So what else? I just started the Octavia diet. Yes, I started the Octavia diet this morning. And within, I would say, six hours, I already quit. But <laughs> I, I was, I was going to faint. I was going to faint and I had a lot of stuff to do. But don't worry, I'm going to lose the weight. All right. So I was talking to my coach last night and I just was like, not even in the zone. They have these health coaches and stuff. This, I, I, I don't know, Octavia, Octavia, it sounds like a, like op, something to do with your eyes. All right. I saw the fate. Did you, I, I actually wrote like a list to, of things to go through in this intro. So that's why I'm like going from one to the other and I'm not spending much time on which, uh, my cousin-in-law said, you really got like need somebody to, you know, bounce off of like Dave Sturgeo from chop sports or have somebody to do the intro with, but just the circumstances that have been happening lately, uh, that's just not possible. So I'm sorry. It's just me. I bounce off my host. I do an entire interview, uh, with my host, but no, I do get what he, what he's saying. It is better to have somebody to talk to. Right now, I'm talking to a screen. All right. I saw the Fablemans the other night with my good friend, um, Father Bob McLaughlin, and uh, another comedian, Catholic comedian, clean comedian, Matthew Broadwick. Not the star of, um, you know, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, but his name is Matthew Broadwick. And we saw the Fablemans the other night. That's like this semi autobiography. It's really not semi. It's autobiography biographical picture about Steven Spielberg, who's one of my favorite directors of all time. And I got to be honest with you, it wasn't that good. All right. So that's that. And that, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I was expecting a little bit more. It was so much about his family, 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 which was fine. But then it was just like, eh, so I'm not going to give it away, but I was expecting a lot more. Oh, I read an article that really annoyed me, uh, but I'm not going to speak about that right now. Okay. And then... 
my friend Justin Fatika. Hey, I'm keeping this intro to 10 minutes. So Justin Fatika, as you're going to hear, uh, I don't want to repeat myself because you're going to hear a lot about this in the actual interview, but I would say that I owe my relationship with Jesus Christ to three people, okay? Um, I mean, the truth be told, before Justin and before Monsignor Pablo Kikio, uh, Father Michael Jolie, uh, my junior of high school, he's the first one that invited me on a retreat. And that's a story for another day. I told a little bit about that in the pilot episode. Um, actually, I told a lot about that in the pilot. So Father Mike Jolie can never count him out. He definitely showed me the love of Jesus and the love of God the Father, invited me on my first retreat. The retreat was life-changing. So I always say three people, Father Mike Jolie, Justin Fatika, and Father Paul Bocchicchio, who's now Monsignor Paul Bocchicchio. And I like to say that Monsignor Paul Bocchicchio really showed me who God the Father is, and Justin Fatika showed me who God the Son is. Um, I mean, it's all the same God, right? But there was just something very fatherly, very fatherish, the Father's mercy with uh, Monsignor Paul Bocchicchio. But Justin Fatika all about Christ, 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 Christ. And you're going to hear all about that. The guy changed my life. So uh, there's a lot more things to say about him. We didn't get too much into our friendship or about the other friends that we have. We have a million stories. I know that he didn't have a lot of time because he coaches uh, basketball on Wednesdays, which is when we're doing this interview. So I was really happy that uh, he squeezed me in. I wanted him to be my very first host uh, for my very first episode. And it actually didn't work out uh, because of a, a scheduling glitch on my end. Um, but it worked out because then you got to hear my story uh, on the intro and things like that. So by the way, those of you who are like getting tired of listening to me talk and you just want to hear the interviews, if you have a finger, you could take it, okay? And then you could, uh, you probably think I'm going to say something else. No, the the finger um, uh, I, the on the the app or whatever you're listening, you could actually fast forward to the interview uh, if you want, like by 30 seconds or 15 seconds. So um, I'm not going to hold you hostage here. But uh, Justin Fizikatika changed my life. I'll say more about it in the outro. God bless. I hope you enjoy it. Take care. All right. Welcome, uh, holy messes, to uh, my interview here with Mr. Justin Fatika, <laughs> with Justin Fatika, <laughs> uh, director of Hard as Nails Ministries, executive director. Of whatever, whatever. We're just witnesses here. Yeah, the witness, but also happens to be um, one of, if not the person who brought me to Jesus Christ. And I do not say that lightly. Um, so, Justin, thank you for uh, for agreeing to be on a Holy Mess podcast with his Holy Mess, Father Paul. Thanks for being here. For sure, man. It's great to be a mess with you. You know, like, <laughs> you're, a, you're a messy person. I'm a messy person. And guess what? We, we need God's help. Like, all my fantasy football teams, are they're called Jesus Help Us. You know what I mean? So, like, we all need Jesus to help us. That's for sure. Amen. Amen. Jesus help us. Yeah, I mean, you are... There's something that I was thinking about when I was driving that I wanted to tell the audience because my previous two episodes were with uh, Christopher West, Dr. Christopher West, and I was I was praising him out the wazoo, and and I meant every word that I said, and I said that his talks, you know, changed my life and everything like that. But you know, the fact of the matter is, is that 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 came after I met you and I ha and Monsignor Popo Kikio. So I always say that like the people that brought me to Jesus. Uh, 
was like you, Monsignor Pobo Kikio, uh, Father Mike Jolie planted the seed. Um, and then it was after that encounter with Christ, those retreats, then I was introduced to the theology of the body, right? So I want uh, the audience to know that without Justin Fatika, I, I, I would not know Jesus Christ, okay? I would not know Jesus Christ. So I think it would be good maybe if we just start off. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this already know who you are. Uh, perhaps some don't, probably not. I mean, you don't need this podcast. I need you. Let's just be honest here. So... <laughs> No, I'm. We're in this together, man. It's a team effort. Yeah, no, I know, but you're really like one of the first persons that I ever heard use the mess. I uh, use the um the message of turning your mess into a message. For sure, turning your mess into a message. As a matter of fact, I was reading a little bit of uh, your your second book, I believe. Right, you have three books. Your second five, book is five, five books, but three that are uh, you know published with uh, publishers. Okay, the other all right, two, two well, books that are self published. Yeah. All right, praise God. But your your second one is win it all, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And one of the steps in win it all is turn your mess into a message. Correct. 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 Amen. You're one of the first people that I ever, ever heard that. So, uh, basically, you know, to the audience, I was uh, uh, a student at Paramus Catholic High School, uh, and in 1999, my senior year of high school, we all had to go down to the auditorium for this day-long retreat because we're in a Catholic high school and, you know, every year we got to go on a retreat. And before that, I, w- I mean, God bless the people that did the retreats before that year. And, and I'm sure they worked very hard and they were very nice people. I don't even really remember them to be completely honest with you. But all of a sudden, there I am in the fall of 1999. And there's this, there's this young guy running around on stage, doing cartwheels, handstand. He says he didn't do handstand pushups back then, but handstands and talking about Jesus Christ, this young, good looking, athletic looking guy who was just in fatigue. I had no idea who he was at the time. And he loved Rocky and he's playing this Rocky music and he put on this day long retreat. He was only a junior in high school at the time. And with uh, about 11 other people, the 12 apostles from Seton Hall University and they shook up our school. They shook it up. You remember that day? Oh yeah! How can you forget that day? It was uh, it was powerful. And there there's so many people that there was so much fruit from that day. I mean, we look back. I mean, so many people came to Christ that day that you wouldn't even believe that that could happen. Like it just goes to show you, you always give it all you got, one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. You screwed up yesterday. Start over. Quit spanking yourself. You know, like, you know, like, you know, like start over today and just like do your very best. And it was just an unbelievable day. I can't forget that day. Yeah. I mean, I'm being a little bit formal now. Right. But I mean, you're one of you're one of my best friends. OK, yeah, so sure. um, is it true that because of the way that you pre, because of the way that you moved the entire school? that day, Paramus Catholic High School, is it true that you were then hired a job on the spot immediately from the president of the high school? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he told me to call him right away. And I was like, oh, I was working at Queen of Peace High School in North Arlington at the time. And, you know, it just seemed like a better fit for me to jump in there. So I interviewed him with like a month later and I was working there like two months later. I was working at the school. It was, it was funny. Like I was telling my dad, like, 
it was my dream to like, you know, preach the gospel, you know, to bring the gospel to the world. And it was just starting to happen in these moments through these experiences. So that was a great day, man. I'll tell you, the best is when, you know, we used to like knock out like sins, like, like I'm like with the boxing gloves, you know, and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, and it was, I was always striving, especially as I was looking back when I was younger, I was doing any, anything I could, like I'd do anything. If it would open up one soul for Christ, I would do anything uh, for that. And that was just one way I did it, through Rocky Balboa. And, you know, whenever I get down or I get discouraged, I still watch Rocky Balboa movies. So they, he still keeps me going, that's for sure. So it was powerful, man. I mean, and then I did. I worked at the school, and I was there for, I think, another uh, at least four years. I think I was there for, you know, until I was like 25. Yeah, but like your initial job, what what was even your description? Because this is how I remember it. All of a sudden, I remember the guy that gave us our senior day retreat was just walking around the just walking around the halls trying to bring bring people to Jesus and to, yeah, yeah. And to this thing called the Wednesday night prayer. What yeah. was your job description? I was like the assistant to the campus minister or something like that. You know, like, they always put to the because you were nothing. You know what I mean? Like. It's, <laughs> If I was the assistant campus minister, that means I meant something. But assistant to the assistant, meant, look, to, the, assistant to the means like, look, you're going to like you have no authority. To remember <laughs> that, you, you know, so but it, but that was one of my favorite jobs. You know, I had a blast because I was, you know, using sports. I'm doing what I'm doing now, actually. You know, I finally have gotten back to what I originally you know, wanted to do. And, and like, I was playing sports with kids and using sports and working out as a vehicle to help people come to Christ. Amen. Amen. So listen, uh, I don't know how long we're going to actually talk today. I'm talking to the audience right now, right? I mean, there's a million things that you can find out about the life of Justin Fatika. And if we, if we get to all, that's great. But just Google him, go to his website, go to his Instagram. Uh, there's books about him. You can read a lot about him. He's an executive director of a very, very, very popular, very successful uh, ministry called Hard as Nails Ministry, right? But what I want to get into, because people can read about you later, why did you, why are you the way you are? How did you even get into this? I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. To this day, I've, re I've really never met anybody like you. And I, I don't say that to, to bring like just flattery or whatever, but you're, you're 24 seven on, 24 seven on with Christ, in love with Jesus Christ. You were a young, anybody that I heard talk about God before I met you was either a priest in church or my grandparents or other people with gray hair. Okay, like that's it. All of a sudden, there's this 21 year old kid talking about how amazing Jesus Christ is. I mean, you were talking to me. That changed my life. And we'll get into the the, the more of our, all of our friends from Paramus Catholic, and then eventually Hard as Nails and and all that stuff. But how did you become the way that you are now? Yeah, it was really through you know every one of us are a witness. But you know, you say, hey, I was a witness for you. And hopefully I always am. And each day I do that. But I had a witness earlier on. And it started even when I was younger. When I was getting in trouble in eighth grade. And they would send me to the Gertrude Barber Center. And I'd meet kids with Down syndrome. And, you know, those kids were like a witness because I just love those kids. And it was one of the few places I could go that my heart would be open because I saw their weakness. I saw their struggles. And that wasn't 
like where I met Christ. But then I went to an all boys prep school and I had this teacher, you know, he had a unibrow. I mean, I, I mean, like whenever you have a teacher, and he was a priest. I mean, I, I really, you know, I was Catholic and grew up in Catholic schools, but I didn't look at like a priest as like impacting my life. I mean, it just, that's, that's just not how I, you know, saw it. And really not many people impacted my life. But I remember like, I used to torture this, just, just joke around, mess with this priest. And one day I put my feet up on his desk. Like I took my shoes up and I put them up on his desk, just like that. And I put them on his, and he, and this guy's intense, man. And I come, come on there. And he comes in the classroom as my feet are on his desk. He goes, get your feet off that desk now, Fatika. And I'm like, you say please. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I, and back then you could do this kind of stuff. I've never seen a priest move so fast. He comes, he grabs me, right? And he puts me up on the wall. And like, for me, like, for whatever reason, I didn't mind it too much. I thought he was annoying still. But I was kind of laughing about like this guy's fired up. Holy cow. He's like, and he's like speaking in tongues that day. He's like swearing at me, you know. Like, oh, okay. Those those type of tongues, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Are you allowed to say who this priest is? Yeah, I mean, but so the, the, if you don't know the priest, his name's Father Larry Richards, and he's a you know a well-known uh evangelical Catholic, you know, priest. That's the amazing thing, is that he's also he's also a famous priest. Like him and you have these unbelievable ministries. But but anyway, sorry, go back to your story. Yeah, so so anyway, so as I'm up there, I'm I'm feeling like I got potential, you know what I mean? Like, like, wow, this guy get this guy this upset. Like, there must be something about this situation i get down for them like you're a jerk people don't go to the school because of you he's like that's another detention i'm like that's okay you know i'm i'm living my life in detention what's the big deal and i you know i see him at a football game that weekend and he goes tell father this other priest he goes, tell father dennis what you did to me i go whatever you're a jerk that's he goes that's another detention i'm like okay great what's your problem you know i mean get over it you know you, you got issues or something and what I realized is that I had some issues that I had to deal with. Like, you know, every young adult is dealing with himself. And and I end up right before Christmas break, December, we go into class and this grown 38-year-old priest writes every student in the classroom a letter. And it goes to show you, like, don't don't be afraid to write a letter to somebody to encourage them. You know, I always challenge people to do that because you never know what can happen. And and you never know, even if their response is bad, don't look at that as a bad thing because I get this letter that says something like this. It says like, I don't like you, which was true. And you, <laughs> and you don't like me, which is true. But I pray for you by name every day. And if you realize your potential in Christ, you'll be able to do great things. Love Father Larry Richards, right? So I I read that letter in class, right? Like, I'm like a wimp, like just a total, like, because I went to an all boys prep school. So like, you got to, like, my mother writes me letters like, yeah, oh, yeah. here's the eggplant papa shot sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, my what's this pre, now he's writing us letters. So yeah. I was awkward. But what people didn't know is I was ready to cry. Mm. Because I never got a letter from a grown man in my entire life. 
I got a letter from my mother and my grandmother, you know, things like that. But there's never a grown man that really spoke true. So if you're a man out there, write a letter to some young kid, write a letter and build them up and see greatness in them and goodness in them. So I remember that letter. I never threw it out. I actually gave him that letter for his 50th birthday. Really? Yeah. And I gave him a big, uh, you know, uh, crucifixion like picture and I had him put it up there. Well, I end up having a party at my house. I end up going through the struggle. I think I got a girl pregnant. I get 820 on my SATs. Basketball is what I loved. And I, I, because of my grades, because of my attitude, like I had to basically sit the bench on the team. And like, I was just like, I was struggling like with my mission, with my purpose, with my goals for life. And he's asking people who'd like to go on a retreat. And I raised my hand. I go, I'll teach you all about Jesus. Oh, Fatika, you'll teach me all about Jesus. Let's see it. Well, I go home and I go, Mom, I want to go on this retreat. She goes, oh, okay, well, what is it? She signs me up. I go on it. The first night on the retreat, we're lighting off firecrackers. Like, I mean, a true story. And we do a push-up contest. And the quarterback of the football team loses, breaks his chin open. True story. What? Yeah. The Friday night of the retreat. We had to go to the hospital with Father Larry. And he's like, why did he even have you come on? Now he's upset. Why are you even here? So I always tell people, like, if you're up, if there's some kid or somebody in your life that's just bothering you, God's ready to do something in their life. Don't think, don't take that rejection personal. Because it's not personal. There's a kid or a young adult in your life that guess what? If they're if you're striking a chord with them, right? And it just seems like, I, I, I what do I do? I don't know what to do. Don't stop loving. Well, next day I go on the retreat and I hear his talk about let everything out of confession and his talk on the cross and what Jesus did for you. And I I remember sitting there, he goes, How many people have you gotten to heaven? And uh I remember sitting in that talk, bro. My answer was zero. <laughs> yeah. And I remember yeah. hearing in the talk, like, Jesus, you did all this for you. And you don't even give a damn. And the truth was, I didn't give a damn. I didn't care about Jesus. I cared about myself. So I go to confession. And I, I used to lie in confession. I mean, like, like just not lie, but just don't tell everything. You know what I mean? Like, the priest like, so did you do this? I'm like, heck no. Meanwhile, I was doing that three times a day, you know? So, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? So I was like, no, never fine. No way, you know? But this confession, I shared everything. And I remember walking out of there going, wow. And before I left, Father Larry hugged me and he said, welcome home. I went to adoration that night and I prayed three prayers. And when you're a 17-year-old kid, you can only be pure-hearted. You might be able to maneuver or try to maneuver when you're older because that's what adults do. But kids don't do that. And I sat in front of the Eucharist at confession, after confession, in prayer. And I said, Jesus, you get me through this? I'll give you everything. And I meant it. And then the second prayer I prayed was, Jesus, I looked up at the crucifix. I pointed. I said, you died for me. I'm going to die for you. And I meant it. And the last prayer I prayed was, I said, Jesus, we're going to change the world. Wow. And I meant it. And then wow. the next day, we Sunday, the retreat's over, go to school on Monday. And I go to this daily mass because I committed to give my life to Jesus. And I look over and I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
This is my if this is my life, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm like, there's no way. I go, I can't do this. Cause there's these two guys in the front row praying like this. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like just giving my life to Christ. I wake up Tuesday morning, I just start dragging people to church. I mean, I went to all boys school, so you can get away with that. I'm like, by Friday, we got 10, 15 kids in the chapel or something like that. Yeah. And you were jacking them up, right? Yeah. And Father's like, where'd you get these guys? I go, I got them here the same way you got me here. And he's like, how's that? I, go, I jacked them all up. He goes, <laughs> Father's like, keep it up, Fatika. Let's go. I'm like, all right, that's my guy. And me and Father just started evangelizing that school. And by the time I was a senior, we would have anywhere from 30 to 50 guys at a weekly prayer, all boys school weekly prayer meeting. And it was called Fratris Tui, Tui, which means brotherly love. And from there, I learned out how to be a brother and how to love. And I went to Seton Hall, and the rest is uh, history. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Father Larry Richards, and thank you for him jacking Justin up, but yeah. also <laughs> telling him that he had great potential. Yeah, for sure. And what I heard, is, what I just heard in that story, even though I've heard it a hundred times, is that yeah. it was after the grace of the sacrament of confession. Yeah. When you truly, that's when you said that prayer and said, Jesus, sure. I give you everything. For sure. I give you everything. I can't, like, I can't, I only know you post Christ, right? Yeah. I don't know you BC before Christ. For sure. I can't, I've heard those stories, but I personally can't imagine it because you're one of the most pure hearted guys I've ever met. I mean, you, you, you were so down to earth. You were so athletic, you know, just uh, an everyday guy's guy, but you were not of this world. Like, that's the thing that I think, and I know to this day, you still, you know, I don't want to speak for you or whatever, but, you know, people don't seem to understand you or they don't get you or whatever. And I, I think maybe one of the reasons, I can't speak for today, but back my senior year of high school, and it only just dawned on me now that you were 17 years old in a senior in high school when you, had, when you had your come to Jesus moment. And I was 17 years old when I met you, when I had my come to Jesus moment in that high school. And so I'm grateful for that. But <clears throat> and I completely forgot what I was just getting to. But anyway, that's <laughs> yeah, all right. You're messy, man. That's okay. I know. This is like the messiest podcast in the world, but that's good. I, I want people to hear it. So anyway, but so it was after that, that sacrament of confession when you said, that's it. I give you my everything. I give you my all. And I think the reason why that's what I was going to say, what people, because you're not of this world, right? Like you truly have your, your eyes and your mind set on th the things of heaven. So there you were as a 21 year old kid, 20 years old, 20, I think you turned 21 you, when you were at Primus Catholic yeah. and you are all about Christ talking about into in, in, like, playing basketball, you know, doing things, whatever, take, take people to, to Applebee's, having fun, playing sports, but you were all about Christ. And that's what was so new. That's what was appetizing. And what I could speak to for me is that even though you were speaking to about a thousand people in the auditorium, I really felt like you were speaking just to me because I was also my senior high school. Like I was, I was, I was a punk, you know? I mean, I, I was always, I guess, a good kid, but I was trying to be somebody who I wasn't. And I felt like you were speaking to me. And I don't care what anybody says, though. I think every person in that auditorium felt like you were speaking to them because even though we were supposed to close our eyes when we all stood up, you said, if anybody wants to give your life to Jesus Christ, just stand up right now and you know, say this prayer, like this altar call. But I opened my eyes and I'm telling you, 
There was not one person sitting down. Something anointed happened. And I think that's the reason why you ended up getting hired right away and why many of our lives, many of our lives from Paramus Catholic High School have been changed forever. So yeah, yeah. What you're saying is it's all Christ, you know, like you have your weaknesses, you're a mess, you need Christ. And that that's I think that that is the the key to any evangelization is you never have it in order. And you know, I always tell my kids, they, they, they start to understand as they get older, I say, when you're unfocused, you're focused. And when you're focused, you're unfocused. You know what mm. I mean? <laughs> like, and I don't know if that makes sense, but like, it's like, oh, really? until we, exactly, until we make it to <laughs> heaven, like th- this world's not perfect. The only thing that is perfect is Christ. The only thing that is perfect, even Our Lady is only perfect because of Christ, you know? We we only can be perfect when we have Christ to fill in the gaps. And I might be 50% perfect or 20% perfect. And Mother Teresa might be 80% perfect or 75% perfect, right? But she still needs that 20, 25%. And somebody's sitting here saying, I'm imperfect. Somebody's listening right now saying, I don't have it all together. I'm a mess here. I'm a mess there. The whole point of living for Jesus is he fills in the gaps. You know, he's the one who took the pain, the agony, the suffering on that cross to provide the grace so that we can have a perfect, fulfilled life. Now, we perfectly won't be fulfilled until heaven. But if we accept Christ, and that's what was happening in that moment, they were saying there's something more that I need. There's something more that I want is this relationship with Christ. And that's that 25%. Hey, I screwed up there. Hey, I, I need help. Hey, I don't have it all together. Hey, my mom is hurting. I want to be there for her. I don't know how to do that. Well, guess what? You don't know how, but he knows how. I don't know how, but he knows how. And I think that's what I think we miss in our church is that guess what? Whether you're a saint or you're striving or headed towards sainthood, the reality is, is the difference between saints and just regular everyday people is they just believe that they are unfocused and they're more in need of Christ. Like I'm reading Imitation of Christ again right now. And the Imitation of Christ is like, how do we imitate Christ? The only way to imitate Christ is realize that we are nothing. Like, Mm. and there's freedom in knowing you're nothing. There's freedom in knowing that you're a mess. There's freedom in knowing that it's an an anointing God's given me. It's not me, you know? There's no freedom in thinking I have an anointing and wow, holy cow. No, I do have an anointing, but guess what? It's not because of me. (laughs) It's because of Christ. And when we can do that, there's freedom. The problem our country's having right now is we don't have freedom because we think we're the anointing. We think we're the answer. We think these seven steps are the answer. We think that if we do this, 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 that's the answer. There's only one answer, and his name's Jesus. I was talking to our missionaries today, and we were hanging out. Like, I'm giving a little presentation for them. And I said, you know my problem? Today we couldn't have mass, which is very rare for us, because mm. the priest had a funeral, and he called us like 10 minutes before mass and said he couldn't make it. I uh. said, okay, we're going to do an act of spiritual communion. So we did that. But I go, I want to talk to you about something. When I was at Seton Hall, my biggest problem was is that everybody was receiving but they were afraid to proclaim Christ publicly. Yeah. So I said to myself as a 20-year-old kid, I go, are you really receiving Christ? Are you receiving a wafer? Are you receiving just bread? 
Because if you're really receiving Christ, then you wouldn't be afraid to share him to the world. When you know you're nothing, you wouldn't be afraid to share that you're nothing and you're only something because of him. You see, when we think we're something, it's when we're afraid to proclaim that our God is our Lord and Savior. And when we think we're something, we're afraid to offend someone. You see, Christ offended people, but he didn't do it out of lack of charity or lack of encouragement. He offended people because he shared the light of Christ. And it was so much fire. Like this week, I had a, a basketball tournament, right? And we're at this tournament. And there's 400 people or 300 people watching the game. And all of the parents are saying, holy cow, there were some good vibes that day. It was like they were saying, they were saying like, wow, that was unbelievable, the spirit that was there. And I, I go to my wife. We're hanging out last night. I go, what they didn't know was that good vibes, that spirit, there's a name to that. And the name is Jesus Christ. And I think all of us have to understand that. Who is our God? Because guess what? We all have gaps. Rocky said that. Rocky Bowie he's like, Adrian, you got gaps. I got gaps. We fill each other's gaps, you know, <laughs> right? And you know what? You might get your wife to try to fill your gaps, but she's only going to fill not, maybe 90%. There's still 10% that she's not going to fulfill. And, and maybe sports fills your gaps or, or maybe, you know, ministry fills your gaps or maybe being a priest fills your gaps. But the gap is only filled through Christ. And when we let him fill that, let me tell you something. That's when you unlock the power. And that's what I was doing when I gave my life to Christ. So that's what we need to do today. Ask Christ to fill those messes, those gaps, those weaknesses, and that nothingness. So the bottom line is when I'm focused, I'm unfocused. And when I'm unfocused, I'm unfocused. And when you're unfocused, you are focused. No, when I'm unfocused, I'm 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 still on focus. Meaning, so you're always on focus. Oh, only Christ is focused. You know, like <laughs> my kids do the same thing you're doing right now. Like, what's Dad talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we'll always wonder that. Like, yeah, you know? I, I think I'll wonder what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because, and I I want to get into why do you think that. And I, I mean, you kind of just answered it, right? It's not you, it's Christ. But I mean, just to be honest, I mean, there's been a very, very, I won't use the word successful, right? But even though it is, but a very, very fruitful ministry to youth, right? It, more in ways that really the, anybody that I've ever seen in, in, in terms of ministry to, to youth. And, but the thing is, is that like nowadays people, they think that a way of welcoming the youth and not pushing the youth away is to maybe tolerate or meet them where they're at in certain ways of accepting certain things that really kind of water down the truth. That's not something you ever did. And just one example from my own life, I can't speak for anybody's life. When I graduated high school and I was 18 years old and I was in New York City every single night trying to be a stand-up comedian, I invited you to come and see me. You came with your now wife, then girlfriend, Mary. I was like 18 years old, Manhattan. And I was very, very blue. I was very blue. Uh, and I asked you after the act, hey, what'd you think? And you said, that was pagan, bro. That was pagan. You need to change your life. And guess what? That didn't make me say, what a jerk. I'm never going to go to church again. That made me ask you more questions. 
a couple of days later, I went to Paramus Catholic High School to talk to you more about it. So you not watering down, you telling us the truth. And I knew you loved me. See, that's the thing. Like the <clears throat> youth ministry, the they have to know that you love them before you tell them the truth. They're going to listen to you. And that's what I think you were great at. Like you spent, even before this whole movement and this whole book about intentional discipleship, that's exactly what you were doing. You, you were being intentional. You were creating relationships. You didn't just give a talk and then leave or do youth ministry. And like, like you hung out with us. You spent time with us. You actually, you actually cared about us. And I think, I can't speak for anyone else, but I think that's why I listened to you because I knew that you were authentic. And I think that's why your ministry has been extremely fruitful. One of the most fruitful in the entire country in youth ministry, maybe the world, is because you genuinely care. You, people are not projects to you. They are people. And that's something that I've learned from you. Sometimes I get caught up in the ministry aspect of it, like the ministry or the, the institution or whatever. And for you, yes, it's all about Christ, but it's all about the individual person. And I'll let you talk again in one second, but I want to I relay one other example from my life of how I, when I learned this about you. So that one was when I was 18 years old and I was in the city every day. And, you know, yeah, I invited Christ into my life in high school, but then I had a, a little bit of a relapse and I was starting to live a quote unquote secular pagan life again, right? <clears throat> now, just fast forward a couple years later and I'm starting to get back into my faith. And now I'm even getting involved in my parish. And my parish priest asks me to run like a Friday night lock-in retreat uh, at Our Lady of uh, Mount Virgin Church in Garfield uh, for the eighth graders. So I think I'm about 19 years old, maybe I'm a, or 20 years old, and I don't know what I'm doing, right? So I ask you if you can please come with a couple kids from Pramus Catholic and help me. But I was still like in charge of putting it together. And truth be told, I had no, I, I didn't plan. So you come for the planning meeting and I had nothing, I had no structure, I had nothing to offer. So you very kindly pulled me into another room and just said, hey, Paul, like, what's going on, man? Like, these are people's souls that we're going to be dealing with. Like, this is about the salvation of souls. We, we have to be prepared for this. And you didn't say it in a condemning way. You said it with love, but you challenged me. And I was like, this guy, like, this guy's so you real. Remember, you remember everything. You I, don't remember I, that? No, I don't remember that. But I appreciate it. But I, you remember all these details. Holy cow. You, I would well, I got other I would, details. I, would, too. I don't know if I should share right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I would love you to share. You know, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. me. I love that stuff. Well, I look, man, we, I could tell stories about me and you forever, but I, I I also want this podcast episode in particular. I don't know how many teenagers are listening, but maybe yeah. there's parents that are listening to it that will help. Like, I, I want people to really come to Christ. Or if people are wondering how to do youth ministry, you know, I, I, I want this, this episode to also almost be an extension of that. You know, yeah, I have a million stories and we're friends and we have all these friends, but it's interesting that you're this guy, right? There's an HBO, there's an entire HBO documentary about you. I mean, it's called Hard as Nails, but it's about Justin Fatika. I was watching a little bit of it uh, today, right? So there was an entire, this guy set out, just for those of you that don't know, <clears throat> David Holbrook, 
he set out to make a documentary just about different religious faiths, right? Just about different religion. Am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's at a Christian festival, sees Justin preaching, films everything that Justin the Hard as Nails is doing. I was in it as well. Goes back to the cutting room in the editing room and realizes, I this guy's so dynamic, I can't use him with this other footage. So instead, he decides to toss away all the footage of everything else and just make a film about you and Hard as Nails. Because of the passion, because of the zeal, right? So that's what, <clears throat> I don't know what I'm getting at, but it, I, it just, there's something authentic here. And I think a lot of people think that in order to be religious, you have to be a priest or a nun or give the, like you're a married man, five children, and you're still going. And you're not just some high school youth minister anymore. You, you run a, a national, even international youth ministry. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that you've gotten to the place where you were walking around in the halls in a high school in Paramus, New Jersey, to where things are today? Well, I, I was talking to my wife. I said we were out hanging, just talking a lot, which we do as, you know, we try to do as many date nights as we can and just spend a lot of time together. And really, I'm just thankful to God that, like, he desires for me to care about the person in front of me. You know, I, I think that that's as simple as it is. You know what I mean? Like, whether it's somebody asked me to come give a talk, whether it's that kid who's in front of me that I just met, or the person at a grocery store. Like, I just think it has continued because it's about one, number one, the person in front of you. If you want to do youth work great, you got to care about that youth that's in front of you. And it might be two, it might be five, it might be 10, it might be a hundred, but whoever he puts in front of you, you just got to care for them sincerely and wholly for them to come to Christ. And number two, look, the results happen because I've really made a commitment not to be about the results. You know, if I take a chance and somebody's like, whoa, why'd he do that? I only took a chance because I saw a kid in the third row who I knew didn't have a father, like, and needs to know who God the Father is. Like, you got to take that chance. And I think as a Catholic, especially, we're afraid to take chances. We're afraid to take risks. And I think the reason we can, our mission continues is not just myself, but all those that work with me, the paid staff, the missionary volunteers, like, they take chances. You, Father Paul, take chances. Like, when you take chances to love, you take chances to, to risk uh, your popularity, your prestige, your, your, you, you, you put your ego aside and you just say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance on that kid, you know, take a chance on that person in front of me. So I think it works. And lastly, I think there's this, this real thing that there is a God and he loves you and he loves me. And if we believe that, and we sincerely believe that, that he loves you, he loves me sincerely, then sky's the limit. There's not one mountain that can't be moved. And I've always believed that, that as Luke, you know, 18, 27 says that, you know, there, there's nothing impossible. Nothing's impossible with people who have faith. What's, in, what's, pos, what's impossible for human beings is possible for God. And I think there's got to be that faith element to 
when you're working with young people. They have to see that you believe beyond what they know you're capable of. So number one, as I said, you, you've got to care for that young person who's in front of you. If your grandchild's in front of you, care for them. If it's your child in front of you, care for them. Number two, don't worry about the result. Just do it. Just love. Matthew 22, 37, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is the first and the greatest command. The second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Just love with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if they judge you for loving somebody, that's their problem, not yours. If, they, if, if you're loving them with a sincere heart and you really know you care, then at the end of the day, whether they believe what you believe or not, it doesn't matter. And then lastly, like I said, you know, we have to start believing outside of our own human capabilities. And I think this is one of the hardest things to do for most Catholics. We have so much spiritual worldliness that that clouds us from the spiritual heavenly power, meaning we believe like, okay, this is the Eucharist, right? But do we really believe that that has spiritual power, like that we have the faith that when we receive him, we can be like him? So we get clouded by that sacramental reality and forget about the the divine power that's within that. We kind of like, oh yeah, I'm going to receive communion again, right? <laughs> Wait a second here, stop for a second. Do you have faith that what you're receiving can help you to gain the sanctifying grace to go heal a kid tomorrow, to go hug your son or daughter and it's going to be an intimate hug that just like gives them grace they've never had before, you know? And I think we've lost that. We, we get stopped at like, oh, I'm at the church just sitting here. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, what you got Christ in front of you. So we need more faith, more faith, and we're going to move more mountains. Amen, brother. I, you know, I got to ask you, let's just be real here, right? <clears throat> um, I don't know about recently or lately, and we don't have to talk about anything specific, but in what you've done, <laughs> you have received, certainly in the early days, maybe still For not. Sure. You you have received a lot of rejection, yeah. Okay, and 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 her and people not understanding you and your mission and whatever people might have said about you. And I, I just want to ask you, like, how have you dealt with that? How have you been so persistent? How have you continued to to just not stop? And things have have grown because I I mean I was around especially a lot before I went to the uh, before I went into the seminary, which. One of the main reasons why I went into the seminary and I became a Catholic priest is because of Heart as Nails ministry, is because of hanging out with you at Pramus Catholic High School and our group of friends. You know what I, you know, I can't believe it's on YouTube. I just found, and I listened to the entire thing, the uh, episode of Women of Grace with me and you on it. Oh, on that, that's so funny. That was fun. That was 12 fun and a half time. years ago. I just yeah, I remember that. that. That was a fun time. It was amazing. So I will talk about that at another time. But, um, how, how have you done it, man? Because you have a lot of I backlash. Think, yeah, but I think the first piece as I get older, like I deserve the backlash, not because not because I'm bad or like worse than anybody, but because guess what? Like that 20% of me, 50% of me, 75 that isn't like connected to Christ. When I got rejected, it connected me to Christ. You know what I mean? Like because I had things in my life that I needed to continue, just like I do now. Like 
that I need to dig out of me. So if somebody's sitting there, why, why am I being rejected? Why are they hurting me? Well, God's allowing this so you can get closer to him. So that's what I've learned over the years. That rejection came partly because Christ allowed it to happen. He's like, look, you're not close to me right now. You need to get closer, buddy. You know, so that's number one. But on the, on the other piece, on the real piece of it, it did hurt. And I think the, the fruit, the fruit that's come from the rejection has been probably one of the greatest gifts that rejection has been one of the greatest gifts I've received because it's helped me to understand a kid who doesn't have a dad in a smaller way. It's helped me to understand, you know, the blessed are those who mourn, right? They'll be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek and humble heart for they'll inherit the land. But did you know the first beatitude and the, and the eighth beatitude, which I believe are the heavenly beatitudes. I believe there's, the second tier beatitudes, which is two to seven. I believe the primary beatitudes are one and eight. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That rejection linked me to heaven and linked me to people of heaven. You know, our mission, like when we travel around Syracuse, the eighth poorest city in the country, like, and we're in our You're Amazing vehicles, all the homeless love us. Now, Maybe the people in the chancery, they're a little nervous about us sometimes, right? You know, like, and I don't know. You have to ask them. Go interview them. But like, and maybe there is a priest or a church leader. But those homeless ain't nervous. They're like, if they're like our best friends. You know, like, I remember I was driving down the road, like, just three, four weeks ago with my son, John Paul, and another basketball player who I coach. And there's this homeless guy, like, yelling at my car and you understand with these you're amazing cars you've seen them but they wouldn't know but they say you're amazing on them and yeah our job is to roll down the window and encourage people like just to build people up yep yeah I and so, yeah and so like there's this guy like screaming he's a homeless guy screaming at the car my son john paul like he's like dad you see that guy he's yelling at you and I go, whoa holy guy he's like right next to the car on the window i'm like so i rolled down my window he goes do your effing job, he goes. Do your true story. I swear, he goes, do your effing job. And so I'm like, uh, I'm like kind of, I, you know, usually I'm the one like making people feel like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> now I'm like, what's going on here? So John Paul goes, he's whispered to me, Dad, Dad, tell him he's amazing, right? Oh my gosh. So I go, um, you're amazing. And he goes, yeah, now I'm better. He's like, yeah. And he wow. Walked, and, he walked, right? and all of a sudden, John, I go, John Paul, you got to do it now. And the, he's like, and John Paul's like, you're a man. I go to Lanier, the basketball player. And he's like, you're amazing. And uh, if I didn't get rejected, I'll just be honest. I probably wouldn't care about the homeless and the youth that are suffering the way that I do. And the eighth beatitude is what? Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake yeah. of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Heaven. Sorry. One, that's okay. The priests, you know, priests are working out. Hey, look how theological you've gotten, bro. You're like talking about second tiers. I'm like, well, I made it up. I'm sure Jesus doesn't think there's tears. I'm just making it human or something. But I believe that, like, those two Beatitudes, 
And that rejection gets me closer to heaven. Like, and, and, and I think we have to take rejection as a gift, not as a curse. I tell my players, right? A lot of them have suffered. They don't have dads, you know. One of them, his mom's a drug addict. He's only met her twice in his life, maybe three times. I got another player. His dad just died. His dad was 40 years old, just passed away this year. Pray for his soul and his life. And like, I look at my players and I'll say, all your successes will divide you. But your suffering and your rejections, gentlemen, will unite you. And that's what Christ knew. That's why he hung on a cross. Because his suffering united the world. If he came out, like, with the transfiguration experience, here I am, they'd have been like, I'm nothing like this. Yeah. He wouldn't have connected with all humanity. The cross is ingenious. I mean, like, God the Father is ridiculous. This guy is like, you th- if anyone thinks they're smart, who would have thought to save the world would be getting your son, the who, who's important to you, rejected and mocked and crucified for the world. And that would save the world. And people understand this. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, I mean, just to answer that, I wouldn't take back one rejection. Now, I don't want more. If I don't have to get any more, I appreciate it. But, you know, I'm not looking. Don't go looking for it. But I I wouldn't take one rejection back. And I'll tell you one story, though. I help people understand about rejection. I remember I went to, uh, it was like a national conference. And they were talking about ministries in this, like, meeting of, like, 500 youth ministers. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And this was a while back. I don't know. It had to be, like, at least 10, 15 years ago. 12, no, about 10, 12 years ago, and I am 15. And all of a sudden, Hard as Nails comes up. And this guy, I wasn't in the meeting. I was not welcome to that. It was only, these were like the cream of the crop. Yeah. Youth leaders yeah. in the country, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And this guy's just blasting us. One of the priests comes out and goes, I'm with a, a bishop hanging out with him at the time. And he goes, man. What they're doing to you, Fatika, and the junk they're talking, it's wrong, man. And he's from New York City. He's actually a bishop now. And he's like, what the hell, they, what they said, and this and that. And then this other bishop's like, hey, what's going on here? And you want to know what's happening. The next day, I got the grace, because I was already rejected before, to not reject him. Thank God I didn't. Long story short, I end up getting this guy's number and saying, I want to hang out with you. And I didn't even bring up because a lot of us want to go get like, why are you hurting me? No, Jesus didn't go. Why are you hurting me? He said, no, I love you no matter what. I go to this guy's hometown and we go to Chick-fil-A and we're having a little meeting and we're going around sharing all of our challenges with this guy that just crushed me a while back. This was only like eight months before. And we get to him and he shares about how his daughter was raped in, in uh, Europe. And he shares about how one of his kids has depression. And I remember sitting there going, thank God I didn't like try to hurt this guy. Mm. Because the suffering he was going through was so immense. I would have just, I could have destroyed him. I could have used the, the bishop and, and this priest who had power to crush him. That would have been horrible of me. 
Well, it gets even wild. Three years later, our booking manager goes to another conference and this man's there. And he comes up to our booth and he hands our booking manager a card, a prayer card. It says, could you please give this to Justin Fatigue? I want him to pray for this person. So it's in an envelope and the booking manager comes back. I open it up and on the card was his son. And he wrote a note saying, my son killed himself. Could you please pray for him and my family? One of the greatest honors I've ever, ever in the ministry is that I wasn't, I didn't hurt that man. Like, if I would have hurt him because he hurt me, just think what I w- would have done to him. Mm. And that's what Christ, and I don't, I, I don't have tons of moments like that, but that's one of the few moments I can tell you that rejection is not the enemy. Rejection is the gift that is a window to someone's heart. Because when they reject you, they're waiting. How are you going to treat me? Are you going to hurt me? See, if someone can reject you, that means they know you, you, they have a shot that you're going to love them. If they don't reject you, right, that means that they're probably afraid of, of, of you, that you could crush them. Why? Like, think about it like, like logically. Why would you hurt somebody that's going to hurt you? That's just in a primitive nature, you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. a, in, yeah. a, in a primitive nature, that's just stupid. You never do that. You never hurt the bully, right? The bully just hurts you. So why does a bully hurt the kid that doesn't fight back? He does that because guess what? He knows that kid's going to love me. That kid's not going to hurt me. Now, if you're strong in your faith and you can fully love the person that hurt you, and forgive them. The sanctifying, powerful grace of that is unbelievable. And I think that's what we need in this country more than anything right now. We need a love no matter what message that hangs us on the cross. And I'm not always good at this, but I can tell you that that's one example of how rejections help me. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that. It stunned me on my, on my own show. I, did he, did you and that that person, whoever it was, end up speaking one on one or having some type of relationship? Oh yeah. oh yeah, I played tennis with him. I went and played tennis with him because he's a tennis pro, and like he reaches out to me. We'll talk on the phone every now, probably once a year. We talk. Did he ever say what that was all about? About why he uh, trashed I, you in front I, of you? brought it up because i didn't think wow. it was i didn't think it would have been beneficial did his son commit suicide before that or after that after that oh my so just think if i would have made it even you know what i mean because i you know i mean i know people in the church i could have hurt the guy yeah and i could have gotten him look at this guy he shouldn't be in youth ministry and screw him yeah well whatever i mean <laughs> 
No, Jesus I, I, reigns. It upsets me because I I've seen like the, the you know the real deal. I mean, I was around at, at the at the very beginning. I mean, you say I you haven't had many experiences like that. Um, first of all, why don't we just take a second and, and pray for that guy's um, son and, and for sure. his son's soul. I know it's probably a while ago, but we just want to um, – let me just pray a quick Hail Mary. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Amen. Lord God, I ask that you pray that you um, bless and sanctify his family in a special way and always remind them of the hope of everlasting life and that they can be reunited with their son again one day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So my my whatever wasn't wasn't to him, but I, I wanted to make sure I, I didn't just gloss over that because, <laughs> no, it's just that I've seen it so many, I mean, to this day, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to say this to be funny a little bit and it might be hurtful to you, but like, you know, if your name comes up, right, in a conversation, I'm not saying all the time, but to this day, even though, even though you never once, never once ever hit anyone with a chair, <laughs> if your name comes up, some people say, oh, you mean the guy that hits people with chairs? Like, are you... First, I mean, that was an old thing that we used to do in the ministry. Yeah. And you were the one that was hit. You were like, we hit you with the chair. <laughs> it was to prove a point of the pain, uh, just a tiny little glimmer of the physical pain that Christ bared for you on the cross. And it was this thing that we used to do a long time ago. I, I don't think it's done anymore. And Justin, and we voluntarily, he would, you know, say to somebody, you know, he loves you. And then bam, we would whack him. Right. And, and that it was very powerful. I've seen, I saw the fruit of it. Right. But people make it misconstrued and started saying you were hitting people with chairs, which is just nuts. So I get defensive of you and you don't even want me to get defensive of you. No, there's no reason to. But let me say one other thing. You say, I don't have that many opportunities in a, you know, with rejection. Okay. I'm not going to say any specific details. So no one will know what we're talking about, except for the people that were there. But I know for a fact that on one night, somebody pulled a knife on you very close to your throat. And the very next day I witnessed with my own eyes, (laughs) you like, you, 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 you reconciling or, or wanting brotherly love or calling uh, those people and that person to <laughs> like you, you actually refuse to go on stage and preach unless, you know, there was some type of reconciliation. I mean, the person pulled a knife on you and all you cared it was about love was about Christ. I witnessed that with my own eyes. So I, I, I think you... <laughs> You've dealt with that. That's why I get defensive if somebody ever says anything is because I know it's the real deal. And I'm going to say one more story, okay? This is how I personally, I don't know if I ever told you this, this is how I knew that you were the real deal, like the real deal, Holyfield, right? So one day you and I went to uh, the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden, right? And... uh, we were driving back. You were dropping me off home or whatever. You remember I, all these stories, man. Yeah. Okay. So, and I hope this is okay to share. I'm not going to share any details, but um, I guess, you know, like all married couples did do, like you and Mary had a little bit of a tiff earlier in the day or maybe the day before there was some, 
whatever, right? And we were talking about it a little bit on the way home. And I said something like, yeah, but doesn't she know how many people you're bringing to Christ? And you turned to me and said, I'm not going to be judged at, at like, if I, you know, die and go to heaven, I'm not going to be judged by how many people I bring to Christ. I'm going to be judged by how well I love my wife and my family, because that's my primary vocation. Like I was quick to say, yeah, but doesn't she know how many people you're bringing to Christ? And you said, no, my main vocation, I'm going to be judged by how much I love my wife. And that was one-on-one. There were no speakers around, no cameras. And I'm like, this is what like kept solidifying it to me, you know, and I hope it was okay to share that story yeah. now. All right. So that's the real deal. I mean, there's also been times that, you know, you've called me a girl, but anyway, so. <laughs> I, you had to throw that. You're just still upset about, but you, no, hey, no, look, no, sometimes you act like, like, you know, guys, sometimes you act like a girl. You'll be okay. Oh man, this is, we're going to be canceled. We're going to be canceled. No, look, you got to love everybody where they're at. <laughs> Amen. Amen. No, and, thank but, you, and I want to thank you for loving me where I was at. I, I, I really do. Um, I, I can't over, uh, overestimate that enough. Um, honestly, I mean, very, sometimes I talk about, you know, I was, thank you. Thank you, Justin. And, um, you know, we were just up there for the, uh, me and Matt Deco went up uh, for the 20th anniversary of the Heart as Nails ministry, been around for 20 years now. And it was really a a powerful, powerful experience to me because, you know, I was there, Matt was there, Tim Hanley was there, you know, at the very beginning, literally at the very first Hard as Nails event at St. Phillips in Saddlebrook, New Jersey, 2002. And, you know, then 2004, the nonprofit, you know, when the Hard as Nails became an actual nonprofit or, or whatever it's called. And now, like, to go and 20 years later, I mean, you used to, like, it used to be out of this little van and trailer at, at this Catholic high school in Paramus, New Jersey. And now you guys have missionaries, this hard as nails, missionaries. You guys have different, like, buildings and offices, and you have a tour bus, and you have hard as nails vans. It's just, you're proud of me. Like, and you don't, I'm I don't even know if the word proud of you, who am I to be proud of you? But I am, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised, but I'm like in awe of what God has done. And I am so happy for you and for Mary and for all your kids. Like I'm happy for the Catholic church. I'm happy for the United States of America. And I mean, I cannot only imagine the stuff that you guys are doing you know, and in a sense, I'm removed because I'm a, I'm a priest now. And, you know, before the priesthood and the, the seminary, I was much more involved with Heart as Nails. But, and, and that's okay. Life happens and stuff like that. But if there's anything in this episode that I'm going to ask people to do is just read up, watch anything Heart as Nails ministry, Justin Fatika. Where, where could we tell people to go for any resources, anything at all? Yeah, just go to amazingnation.org you know, or justinfatika.org. I don't even have somebody stole justifatica.com, so I can't even have it, which is pretty funny. But really? uh, yeah, yeah. But is there uh, another Justin Fatigue out there? No, I they just want you to pay a crazy amount of money for you. It's so funny. It's so funny. This is how our world is. But no, go to justfatica.org or, or uh, amazingnation.org and any you know social media platform. But most of all, do me a favor. If you do anything, 
Go home and forgive that person. Because anybody, hurt people hurt people. Healed people help people. If I ask you to do one thing, if somebody hurt you, okay, don't take it so personal. Doesn't mean you got to spend every day with them if it's not appropriate. But let go of that person's hurt. Because guess what? When you hold on to it, you become angry like that. And I think if our church can do that, if the people of America can do that, we can have an amazing nation again. You know, we need an amazing nation. We need people that are helping the poor. We need people that are helping. You know how many orphan kids there are? There are kids living in mansions in, in Hollywood, and mansions in New York City, mansions in Miami, and they don't spend but 20 days with their family. They don't see their family. There, there are kids that, that would die to, to have a dad or have a mom. And we have kids that are orphans. And you know what's worse? They're orphans, and we don't know that. You see, in the Great Depression, we knew they were orphans because they lived on the streets. But that's not our country anymore. They're orphans in their loneliness and their emotions and their mental struggles. And we need to get out there and we need to start building orphanages again. We need to get out there and start building solid schools. Have you been to the public schools lately? You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. I go to the public schools. You wouldn't believe the sinks are in the hallway. Only one kid's allowed to go in the bathroom because somebody's going to get beat up or, or knifed or hurt. And this isn't just an inner city school. This isn't suburban. This is in rural America and, and Alabama and in Mississippi. Let me tell you something. We need to change. And what we need to change, we need to be people of forgiveness. We need to know how amazing we are. I'd like to thank you, Father Paul, for your priesthood. Keep it up, man. Don't give up and keep this podcast going. You know, all the guests you're going to have. Your dreams are going to come true, too, in God's time, because he loves you. He hears your heart, and he cares about you. But when your dreams come true, remember this. Don't forget, we're all nothing. You know, we're all going to go to the grave. You know, like, we're all going to go to the grave, and we're only something because Jesus died for us. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, 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 thank you. And, and I, want, I want to do more because, you know, to this day— when I talk to you, I'm challenged, you know, and I've told you this before. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, I should call Justin. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, he's going <laughs> to chat me up, you know, like you know, and you're not, you're nothing but loving. Right. But because there's always, there's, there's a challenge and, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't care. I don't do enough. You know what I mean? Like when I'm with you and I'm seeing like what's going on up there and I, it's not just you, it's everybody with hard as nails, your wife, the missionaries, Doreen, Rich, everybody. Okay. Like, but I'm like, what am I, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I mean. You're doing great. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You're I doing what, it's what's in front of you, father. You know yeah. what I mean? Come on. I have the, amen. Yeah. I'll come on. Let's be real sometimes. All right. You know, there's more. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, by the way, thank you for having me on about uh, two years ago. You had me on your, uh, I think it was an EWT. Yeah. Yep, I was doing that Tom during Bob COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I really I was appreciate having guests that. on during yeah. COVID. I have more uh, uh, comedy things today, and I, I had my hair blonde for that. So anyway, I, I don't know. If <laughs> do Listen, there's something I want to thank you, but I, in, a, in a particular way, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to ask you this. Um, I sure. think that some people, they're going to see that this uh, episode is happening, and I truly believe that there's going to be people from 1999, 2000, 2001, sure. 2005, from Paramus Catholic High yeah. School, they're going to be like, they're not going to say anything that they're going to listen, but they're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I remember that guy. Or what? 
Is there anything that you could say to encourage or challenge any of the old people at Paramus Catholic High School that you used to see day in, day out? Maybe they strayed from the Lord. Maybe they're struggling right now. Anything to those people from Paramus Catholic back in the day? I just like to tell them that, you know, like, God's all you need, you know, like, people are going to lay you down, you know. People are going to let you down. Maybe I let you down. Maybe, you know, your friends have let you down. Your family's let you down. But the love of God the Father will never let you down. And, and really, just I ask anybody who watches who is there, know that he loves you so much. And it sounds like so simple, but that's, that's the key. And when you know he loves you, then you can love that person that hurt you. You can forgive that person that discouraged you. And and I love it. I just want to say, if anybody from Brevis Catholic, that was one of the best times of my life. I had a blast. Actually, they won't believe this, but Mr. Vale just visited me two weeks ago. No way. Yep. No, he did not. Yes, he did. Yes, he Mr. did. Mr. Vale. Yes. And he goes, ah, my son could do it better than me. He's like, wow. Oh, I don't want to say that I was the reason for all of the great things you're doing. But I was the reason. <laughs> <laughs> my son can quote. My son dropped all. He'll you come over for dinner or something? I came, I, we went out to breakfast, and then he met all of the missionary volunteers and all of the staff. And the staff was dying. They're like, this guy's like, where do you find people like this? You know? Oh, my gosh. So Mr. Vail. Yeah, I yeah. hope you're listening, Mr. Vail. We love you. and miss you. It. Thank you for what you did for me in my life when yeah. I was in high school. You gave me second chances. Yes, he did. You did. You yeah. definitely did. Okay? So We love you, Mr. Vail. Yeah, we love you, Mr. Vail. God bless you. Justin, can we do this again someday? Yeah, anytime. I'm, I'm here for you, Father. Hey, thank you. I love you. God love bless you. you. And, uh... I'll see you soon. All right. Stay strong. Peace. Love. All right. Welcome back. Holy messes. Thank you for listening to my interview with Justin Fatika. Don't forget to check out his websites, check out his social media, check out the HBO documentary, uh, his website. I mean, just, just Google. If you don't know how to Google by now, I ask uh, Tommy to come around. He'll hit you over the head with the, I'm trying to do a scene from Tommy boy, but I don't remember the words. Also, there's a word that I cannot use. No, seriously, Google him. Uh, his website is justinfatika.org. Also check out hard as nails ministry at your amazing, no, 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 I'm sorry, amazingnation.org. That's www.amazingnation.org. And then Justin Fatika is www.justinfatika.org. He's on Instagram, he's on Facebook, he's on Twitter. Check it out, but it's not about him. It's, uh, you have no idea. You gotta check out Hard as Nails. You gotta check out the missionaries. It's awesome. And a big shout out to his wife, Mary. I hope to have her on one day. Look, there was so much stuff that we just could not get into. We just couldn't do it. There's so much stuff. Uh, so I love you to Mary. I love you to all the children. Yes, that's uh, Joseph, Catherine, John Paul, who I baptize, 
Rocco and Dominus, Dominic, love you, Fatikas. Love you all up in Syracuse land. Doreen, Rich, all the missionaries. Angela, shout out. Brandy, shout out. Holla. All right, so we got that. Check out his websites. The HBO documentary was uh, filmed in 2005 and 2006 and released on HBO in 2007. So it was a very long time ago. Justin was still very young. Hard as Nails was still very, very new. It is almost not completely different, but it is such a different thing now. But if you do watch the 2007 documentary, you will get a glimpse into the early days of Hard as Nails. All right. So next week is Chris Stefanik. I'll be interviewing him tomorrow. So prayers for that. Also, don't forget to go to church on December 8th, the feast day of the Immaculate Conception, who is the patroness of the Americas. Also, please do not forget to email me comments or suggestions at hisholymesspodcast at gmail.com. That's his holy, H-O-L-I, mess podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to donate, that would be very appreciative because we just got I just got a whole bunch of brand new travel equipment. Um, So you can donate uh, if you want, just a tad, just a little bit. Uh, I got a PayPal link. Uh, You can find me at me slash a holy mess podcast. Uh, Let's go exactly to that. No, that's at a holy mess podcast. So on uh, PayPal, a holy mess podcast. Also Venmo, the same thing at uh, a holy mess on Venmo. But Also, uh, there's a link in the show notes. Just look at the show notes, the show notes. Do you know where the show notes are? Uh, It's in the app under the episode or if you go to the um, uh, podcast website. So listen, I had a blast. God bless you. I hope this is blessing you. Is Is this podcast, should we keep it going? What's going on? Can I get some reviews or should it not matter? Because I'm just doing it all. Oh, for Christ, hard as nails. Peace, God bless, one love.